Let's talk to God first. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are God of grace. Thank you that you himself is our grace. So please help us to listen your word and understand and also remain under your grace. In your precious name, amen. Let me tell you a story about what happened in Antioch, the capital city of the Roman province of Syria. This story forms part of the true story about how the Christian movement spread like wildfire from Jerusalem, where Jesus died and was raised from the dead, spreading then through to Samaria, then on to Syria, to Greece, to Rome, and beyond. In this story, in this true story, we are inspired by God's word to see more clearly the grace of God. This is a story that we need to hear again and again and practice its message more often. So come with me to verse 23. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he, has, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That's what Barnabas was reporting about when he was sent to Antioch Church. He saw the grace of God and was glad. He was glad because he saw the grace of God in the Antioch Church. Although the Bible translation we use as the word, the evidence to make it clearer, the original language doesn't have that. So literally, it means that Barabbas saw the grace of God and was glad. The grace of God was visible. It is not simply believed or received, but it is seen. So my question for you today is, how did God's grace become visible in Antioch? This question also relates to us because I think the grace of God becomes visible today here in Epping the same way it did then in Antioch. Before we continue to explore this further, let's listen to what Luke says happened in the two cities. Jerusalem and Antioch. Have a look at verses 19 to 21. And also have a look at the map behind me. Jerusalem, here. Cyrus and Antioch. So in Jerusalem, Stephen was stoned to death. This led to a wave of hostility against the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. Their persecution forced them out of Jerusalem. They scattered, and some of them went up the coast to Phoenicia, across the short stretch of sea to Cyprus, and also to Antioch. It's very far away from Jerusalem. 
Antioch was a cosmopolitan city, the third largest city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria. There was a considerable and well-established Jewish community that played a part in this city. Although Antioch provided safety, wealth, and security, the freeling believers did not settle down only because of the security provided by this metropolis of the Roman Empire. Do you see do you see what's going on here? God turned the trouble of persecution to a positive result by empowering his people to witness as they scattered far from Jerusalem. The message of Jesus spread as refugees traveled the trading routes and busy roads around the Mediterranean coast. Most spoke of Christ only to fellow Jews like themselves. Then there was a breakthrough. In Antioch, some of them spoke to the Greek people, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. A great number believed. The contrast between only two Jews in verse 19 and to Gentiles also, in verse 20, made a big change in Antioch. Antioch became the first congregation to envisage a church without ethnic and cultural borders. Both the Jew and the Gentiles received the gospel and gathered together. And there is one more thing we need to note. Look at the picture of the proclamation of the good news to Gentiles. It's initiated not by a mission originated by the leadership, but by anonymous men from Cyprus and Syria. Cyrene. So here, and here, and here. Luke gives us a picture of one of the earliest congregations, a group of no-name people whom God used powerfully. In this group, there are no apostles, no well-known Christian singers like me, no published authors, no one with more than three years experience as a follower of Jesus. And yet, uh, look at their bold outreach. Most Jewish followers of Jesus didn't dare to speak to Gentiles about Jesus, but these no-name followers of Jesus reached across racial barriers. In this way, they knew the church needed to spread outward and not focus inward. As Luke highlighted, the Lord's hand was with them. This unbelievable news shocked the church and the leaders at Jerusalem. Have a look at verses 22-24. Luke is getting specific about how God's grace was at work in Antioch. Barnabas, 
was sent by the apostles to the church of Antioch to investigate what had been taking place there. As he was originally a Jew from Cyprus, he knew the Gentile culture of the Antioch area. The Jerusalem church heard the astonishing news that not only were the Gentiles receiving the gospel, but they were also gathering with the Jews. This is impossible. A Jew could accept Christ. A Gentile could accept Christ. Both could claim to follow Christ. But could a Jew and a Gentile come together, shake hands with each other, share a common meal, worship one Lord, fellowship in one spirit? Could the war really come down? In the book of Acts, the division between Jews and the Gentiles is a key issue. And this issue related with the identity of Jews. As you know, Jews think their identity is shown as the chosen holy people of God. The word that best expressed the identity of God's people was the word holy, which means no sin. When the Israelites were camped near Mount Sinai, Moses brought to Israel the news of the God's love, God's plans, and God's instructions. So come with me to Exodus 19:3-6. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God reveals himself to Israel as completely upright or righteous, which is the meaning of the word holy. He is not merely a useful dispenser of wishes and desires, but is holy in and of himself. Because he is holy, God expects, even demands that his people Israel be holy too. You will be a holy nation. However, they can't be holy because of their sin. That's why they can't access and get close to the holy God by themselves. They had to keep away from God, otherwise they are to be put to death, Exodus 19.12. This relationship with holy God affects the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. So because Israel is the holy nation of God, Jews can be mixed up with unholy Gentiles. But the impossible had become possible. After Jesus, this barrier was destroyed. Jesus set us free from the problem of sin, both 
Jews and Gentiles can have access to the Holy God because the blood of Jesus made the way for all to come close to God. His blood covers our sin. Both Jews and Gentiles who don't deserve salvation can now approach God. For it has only become possible because of the grace of God. With the power of gospel, the Antioch church showed how it could happen a Gentile church with Jews. And Barnabas gave credit to whom credit was due. It was not the work of the Jew. It was not the persistence of the Gentile. It was not the combined goodness of both. No, it was the grace of God. This grace of God that initiated the cross raised Jesus from the dead and redeems us from the power of sin as individual is the same grace that enables us as followers of Jesus to accept one another and live together in harmony. It's the same grace. When Barnabas saw the Jew and Gentiles worshiping together in the church at Antioch, his report was, that he saw the grace of God. God's grace became visible when the Gentiles joined and united with the Jews in God's new family through the work of Jesus. When they accepted the undeserving favor of God as shown by Jesus' death on the cross, they also gained access to the Holy God. The grace of God shown at Antioch was of decisive significance for the growth of the church. So the concept of grace, undeserved favor, is woven throughout the entirety of Scripture. Whether it's the way God acts towards us, or the way he has chosen to save us, or his acts of mercy or judgment, God's grace is the foundation upon which the gospel message is built. And that's what Barnabas is getting at here in Antioch. The grace of God shows us we don't need to make ourselves beautiful or acceptable to God. All you have to do is to look to the cross of Jesus. When you understand that message and you keep trusting in the Lord Jesus, He sets you free to enjoy being part of God's new family. It's not because of anything we've done for him, but it is because of what he has done for us. Paul highlights clearly the power of the grace of God. Come with me to Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, 
eager to do what is good. So the grace of God transforms our desires, motivations, and behavior. God's grace is actively and continually working in the lives of God's people. But here is a thing to realize. The spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Note what Barnabas did after seeing the grace of God in verse 23. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Now Barnabas encourages the follower of Jesus in Antioch to perseverance and wholeheartedness. Remain under the grace of God in the Lord Jesus. In other words, he stays focused on the Antioch church's discipleship process. But he doesn't want fast food discipleship. Our fast-paced society wants quick results with minimal effort. Barnabas doesn't carry this mindset into that great city. Do you see how much he himself was involved in the evangelical mission there? Let's have a look at what it says in verse 25 and 26. Barnabas traveled up to Tarsus to bring his old friend Saul, and they came back to Antioch. So have a look at the map here. Antioch, Tarsus. It's, it's not very far away. The Antioch disciples not only witnessed outside of their own group, but also were hungry for more teaching. When Barnabas and Saul came to encourage them, they listened and learned for a whole year. A whole year. It's quite a considerable period of time, isn't it? During that time, the Antioch church became a powerhouse of evangelism and a springboard for mission. They kept on sharing Christ and living by his teachings. In Antioch, the testimony to Jesus as the Christ is so strong that community members are called Christians for the first time. They were called Christians followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ. They were neither Jews nor Gentiles. They were Christians. They were disciples of Jesus. This may have been a name given by others because people saw Jesus in them. The Antioch story gets even better. The believers, the disciples, aided famine victims back in Jerusalem. Their church was blessed with leaders from several cultures. They also commissioned Barnabas and Saul to go and teach people in other places. That's something we will see again in the next couple of scenes in the book of Acts. As in the Antioch church, many people see Jesus in them. And we see the emergence of another key community 
engaged in mission, discipleship, and caring for other community in need. So friends, how can we see the grace of God here in Epping and in your life? Do you remain under the grace of God which was shown in the gospel? Now, here's what I want you to think about. We live in a world of earning, deserving, and merit, which is all about getting what we deserve. And this results only in judgment. That is why everyone wants and needs grace. Grace gives a blessing we don't deserve. It's unfavored favor. But grace is not a word about humans. Grace is fundamentally a word about God. Grace is not stuff that God gives us apart from himself. God gives us himself when we don't deserve it. That is grace. Grace is not only the giver. He himself is the gift. God graces us with himself. As Michael Horton points out clearly, in grace, God gives nothing less than himself. Grace, then, is not a third thing or substance meditation between God and sinners, but is Jesus Christ in redeeming action. As I wrap up, let me encourage you with two things. First, we need to commit to the grace of the Lord. This is the way the Bible teaches us, particularly in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Come with me to Acts 14, 26 and 2032. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Friends, will you be committed to the grace of God in your whole lives? By prayer, will you commit your spouse, family, friends, and colleges to the grace of God? Like Barnabas, will you be glad to see the grace of God? Commit to God's grace. We don't put our trust so much in people but in the grace of God, in the lives of these people. Trust the grace of God. Don't put your trust in yourself. Don't put your trust in money. Don't put your trust in the government, nor in your job. Put your trust in the grace of God. And then, hanging there, live in the joy and power of the grace of God. Second, remember that the grace of God will find you. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. No matter where you've been or gone, 
no way is out of the reach of the grace of God. Whether you are in trouble, suffering, or in hardship, whether you are from a different cultural, language, social, or age background, the grace of God can reach you. Because of Jesus, we can come to God for his undeserved favor. This is the truth we need to keep in mind. Friends, do you see what Barnabas sees the grace of God here in Epping? And are you glad about it? Let's encourage the grace of God to manifest in us and others. I would love to see everyone here be able to say, I saw the grace of God and I was glad. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, at the cross, we see your grace poured out against our sin. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our place. Please help us to remain under your grace and commit to your grace. In your precious name, amen.